Hi, Samantha. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. We were trying to catch up previously, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. again, technical issues, we wasn't able to. So I'm hopeful that today using Zoom, instead, we would be able to get through a seamless conversation and at the same time, showcase to the audience, not just the audio aspect of things as well as the video aspect. But before we begin, yeah. could you help the audience to better understand exactly what you're doing right now? Hi everyone, I'm Samantha. I'm a career success coach and I work with professionals. I work very closely with them to help them achieve their career goals by equipping them with up-to-date career trends and also relevant career soft skills. So currently, I'm also spearheading an initiative. It's called Becoming Irreplaceable Program with the mission to impact a million lives. So the whole idea of it is to equip workers of today with strategies and framework to stay relevant and competitive as we accelerate into IR 4.0 or Industry Revolution 4.0. So right up to this moment, I have worked with over 2,000 over professionals from all around the region. So not just Singapore context, but also in Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Hong Kong, and China. Awesome. Today's context really trying to understand, of course, not just what you have been doing. And also importantly is to help you share with the audience the kind of career switch journey that you've been through, the ups and downs. And interestingly, of course, given that you're a career coach, I'm very certain you have a lot more to share with the audience here. But let's start from the very beginning to really chart out the journey that you have been through from your day one in corporate to exactly what you're doing right now. How has that journey been for you? And could you help us relate through examples, what was the steps that you have to go through to reach where you are today? I would have to say that my career journey is slightly different from a lot of my peers. So firstly, I did career switch since day one upon graduation. So I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from NUS. So I actually majored in thermal processors, all those sustainable thingy. Yeah, those were up my alley back then. However, I realized that upon graduation, it is probably, I enjoy my course of study, but I don't think I will be a good engineer. I think I will be putting a lot of people's life on danger. So since day one, I did a career switch. Probably because I realized that maybe I may not have the potential or the talent to be a good engineer. So that was what I was thinking at the age of 23 when you graduate. So I did my first career pivot. So I decided to go into this thing called management trainee. They are just rotating you across different departments. And I think that rotation actually helps me a lot because I start to understand the areas that I have more interest in and also areas that I think I can do well in. So that that was basically in the area of business, sales and marketing. But also because of the exposure to those uh, job functions, I also get to realize that during my first appraisal with my my boss actually came up to me and said, hey Sam, I think you don't know how to talk to my clients. So actually it was actually a slap in my face back then because I was holding on to leadership position in school. I was, I was giving speeches and things like that. So I thought that I could talk to people, but when my boss c- came to me and said, hey, I don't think you know how to talk to my clients. You know? So I actually, it w- okay, it may not be a huge setback for most people, but to me that, that back then that was my first setback in my career because it felt like I couldn't do the job well. So I'll just pause I did, you here for a second. Yeah. Uh, are you able to cite an example of what you think may have happened and why in hindsight you think that could probably be the trigger for your manager to say that to you? I think back then I was fresh grad. So I think the exposure and the context, the I probably was not able to hold conversations very well with clients from a different 
different background because I back then the I was in the product or services that we we provide is probably towards the different market so consider relatively high end market and it was in a very different industry so I was in the beauty and wellness industry that was my first domain yeah so, so probably because I do not have prior knowledge to the domain itself that's number one and French grant the, the things that you talk about as a young adult probably is very different from professionals or corporate individual so probably because of that context my my boss actually said that I could not hold conversation the feedback wasn't bad the feedback was like oh she's a very nice girl but can see that she's trying things like that so that was the feedback that was given to my boss and my boss told me that so I think in today's context right I would think that it is probably a little bit of networking skills here as well because sometimes I realize that we find it challenging to network is because of basically what I went through. You do not have the domain knowledge. You do not know how to hold conversation. You do not know what to say in a conversation. So that's when I realized that I need to have a lot more exposure. So I started reading more. I started to understand people from different occupation, different what makes them take. I start to attend a lot of communication workshop just to get myself mixing with people other than my peers. I think that's important. So I'm not just talking about talking to those 20 year old, I'm also talking to those who are in their 30s, 40s and 50s. And that actually gave me the exposure to do. So I think whatever that I went through, I laid the foundation to where I am today, that I'm able to hold conversation. And what was yeah. next after that journey you had in the company? Right after that, I so I invested a lot in myself. So one of the things that I did very differently from my peers is back when you graduate and then you have suddenly you have salary and then you are doing well, right? you will tend to spend a lot in more lifestyle-ish things like traveling and taking very nice Instagram photos or what's not. But I, I used that money to invest in myself. So I actually attended, I was actually a seminar or course junkie, you can call it. So I actually invested a lot in self-development. I, I actually paid top coaches and gurus just to learn from them how to be a better sales professional, be how do I start a business. So I went through that journey of upgrading and that brought me to my first startup. So I actually started my first academic center back in 2014. Yeah. So it, it was a it was entrepreneurship journey basically. So yeah, all my saving, everything just went into it. So it was a good experience though. I managed to break even in six months. Yeah. But it was also a very tough journey. So after that, it led me to a few partnerships in education space, still just different aspects of education. So I was involved in financial education, whereby that's where I started to venture into the regional market, started to go into Malaysia and Indonesia. And then subsequently, I also ventured into another education partnership. So we were dealing with blockchain. So it was uh, doing blockchain certification. Yeah. And last, my very last venture, which is also my ongoing venture, is actually the one that is in China right now. So all this opportunity led me to China, finally. So I do have an experiential learning academy in China right now. I haven't been able to go back for the past two years. So I believe the next time I step back into China, there will be a lot of restructuring involved. My space has always been in the education and development space. It's just different aspects and different focus. I think all the dots are very connected. Like whatever that I went through, whatever that I'm doing and whatever that I will want to do, it's all connected. For the uninitiated, all this seems to be in very different areas and also very much for yourself. 
Are these very much planned from day one or it actually encompass some form of interaction encounter along the way, which naturally leads to some evolution to where you are right now? It was never planned. The very first day when I did my career pivot was purely because I don't think I'll be a good engineer. That's it. Yeah. Then what led me to my first startup is not because I want to be a millionaire or earn a lot of money. I just wanted to have a little bit more free time. I wanted to have control over my time. And back then I was in a very long relationship. I wanted to move on to the next phase of that relationship. So I wanted to have that time flexibility and at the same time having some income should I settle down. So it was not big dreams. It was all very practical moves. Just that I just wanted very simple things like that. I guess it's quite common for every one of us in life, especially during the earlier stages of life where we are not exactly sure where we are going, what mm. we want to do. And to what you said mm. about being becoming an entrepreneur to get more free time, I can totally mm. relate. I'm reminded of something that another entrepreneur said to me, or rather the wife said to him, you cannot work 40 hours for other people. So you decided to work 100 hours for yourself. Because entrepreneurship <laughs> is exactly that. You will actually yes. work a lot of time on mm. yourself. So uh, I also want to uh, understand a bit of the challenges that you may have faced. Because so far, based on what you have shared with us, mm. moving from point A to point B to point C, it seems quite linear and it seems quite smooth sailing. Mm. Assuming here, but I guess there should be some friction, some pitfalls along the way. Uh, is that also something that occurred for you? And what exactly were those pitfalls? It's not very common for me to share about my lows because I think at the end of the day, everybody will go through certain things in their life. They will face a lot of setbacks, whether you are an entrepreneur or not. Be Even if you are an employee, you also do face setbacks. So I just do not have the tendency to share my lows. But yes, there, there were a lot of lows. <laughs> the whole entrepreneurship journey, I think it is actually a very learning and very humbling one. I think one of the things that came out was actually my dad wasn't aligned with what I was doing. So he was the first person that was very against it, but I was also a little bit stubborn. So I just go ahead with what I wanted because I wanted to increase my salary because a lot of people think about promotion and promotion, but then it, that there's a cap to how much you can get from a job. But so to me back then, I wanted to increase my income. Only when you have control over your career, you can increase your income. So I was very fixated that I wanted to increase my income not because I want to buy branded things because I don't fall in that category, but just because I want to provide a better uh, environment for my family, my dad, my mom. My, yeah. So basically that's that. But because of me taking that decision, he was very upset. So he was the first very important man in my life that, that I lost because I embarked on entrepreneurship. So I'm in, so unfortunately speaking, my parents, yeah, they parted because of one of this reason and then I'm no longer contact with me. So that was really a huge low for me because not just the physical, the emotional, the financial aspect of running an entrepreneurship, but in your personal journey, I think uh, there are things like that that we, have to, that we have to manage. So that was not easy. That's one. The other thing that was definitely not easy is I think in the entrepreneurship space, in the business world, it is still relatively male-dominated. Okay. Of course, I think the gentlemen that I've been meeting across my journey, they have been very, very nice. They have been very helpful. But I think that in, in the world of performance, there is no, there's no reason, there's no excuses. If talking about performance, you have to perform. And sometimes I think for myself, maybe, maybe because it's so male-dominated in some aspect, you, I think for a lady, you probably have to do a little bit more things to, to yeah, to make your presence felt. 
okay, to make what you say, let people hear you. So I think that was also one of it. In fact, I think I was also sharing like, even up to now, sometimes I do face certain not so nice back and comment. And, but, but then again, because I think I've grown from that, from it, I think I'm better at understanding communication, understanding the intent of why people say that. For example, I think just last year, because of me in Replaceable, I was introduced to a self-made businessman. It's a very traditional Chinese businessman. Yeah. So the very first few questions that he asked, no bad intent, but the first few questions can be a bit intimidating. So he was asking, so are you married? Do you have kids? Yeah. Send me your resume, things like that. There was no cushioning at all. So he doesn't like build any rapport with you. He just surely asks you a few questions. I understand why he asked me those questions is to assess my commitment level, things like that. But on the hindsight, if I were to take it slightly negative, it's a bit, why do you have to ask me this question in the first place, right? I do face some things like that every now and then. Yeah. So it is, it has a lot of challenges. There is also a time when I was venturing in China. It's so dramatic because it feels, because it was winter, I have to close the deal within three months. Otherwise I have to, I have to wrap it up already. I have to pack my bag and go home. I won't be able to survive in China. Yeah. So I have three months to close the deal just to make sure that I can make my first dollar in R&B. Oh, it was very difficult. I remember going door to door. Yeah, nobody saw this. I was alone in China. I was doing door to door. So a lot of rejection. That's why I remember there was a few nights I was, I was feeling so lonely. I was, I was like, I'm missing home so much. But then again, you realize that all these things, you can't tell anyone, not because they don't care, but maybe they also wouldn't understand what exactly you are going through. That's one. Number two, even if you tell them, they, they can't do anything to help you. So in a way, you are making another person suffering with you because they also probably, probably feel very helpless that you can't tell them. That to me was very memorable because I remember it was so difficult. <laughs> I can't even put words to it. I think it's a reiteration that entrepreneurship is indeed a lonely journey. But having said that, I do feel that as at least being an entrepreneur myself, speaking with people, even though they can't help, I think there's always some support there. It's like talking to therapists, like, just venting it out. <laughs> which is something that we don't really get right now because of COVID. Mm. Uh, we can't really go to happy yeah. hours with friends and all. Uh, I'm in similar situation as you, when I started my first business, my mom was dead against it because being a traditional parent, they just want their kids to, oh, can I just get a nine to five stable job? Entrepreneurship is so unpredictable. Just like yourself, stubborn, push through. And I think it was a turning point for myself. Now, of course, having mm. gone through what you have gone through so far, if you can go back in time and speak with the early 20-year-old Samantha, what are some of the mm. advice and tips that you may give to her? To be honest, I'm not so sure if I will change anything at this point now because probably a little bit of, I don't even know what school of thought is that, maybe philosophical thoughts or like spiritual thoughts. I think everything happens at the right place at the right time. You may think that, you may think that I could have done this much younger, but probably the younger self may not be able to have that, that, that mindset or the heart to be able to accept what you are, you want to learn at this point in time. So I'm really not so sure whether I would want to change anything, but if I really have to do something more to the, when I was much earlier, I probably will spend a little bit less time playing when I was in uni. <laughs> Again, I'll probably be a little bit more focused in doing my own portfolio and not just wait until I graduate and start my, start planning my career. Because I realized that when I was in uni, we, I don't really plan for my career. 
I think the concept back then was still of finish school, graduate and get a job. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, you have to plan your career. What is next? It feels as if like, back then you felt like, okay, the moment you graduate, you get a job and that's it. And then you will just go through the promotion and what's not that is set by the company. So I didn't really think about it. Yeah. Neither do I have people around me to teach me to think about that way. So it was really very, just follow the system law. <laughs> yeah. So if I really have to tell myself, I really will do something different back in uni, I will probably be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more intentional in planning my career for myself, probably expose myself to more things. And when I say expose myself, I'm not talking about just like, you know, like how some uni students, they will do internships. That's good. But some, in, some undergrads, they will be doing like part-time work. So I think when you are in university, even if you do part-time work, it should be strategic. Having been doing career coaching for quite some time. I also want to tap on you to understand the contrast between how career management from an individual were done when you first step into the workforce, into the job market versus how times have changed and what an individual should really be focusing on in today's context. Like earlier on, we don't have any idea about career planning or career management. Even in university back then, yes, there is career center, but Nobody uses it and nobody really know what it actually means. It's probably just a place whereby there's career fair. That's it, full stop. I think career management right now is a lot more intentional. Uh, there's a lot more awareness to it. So we are also breaking a lot of norms here, I feel. We are saying that a degree may not secure you a job. That's one. Number two, we are also saying that getting a degree doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you will get a happy job. So at the end of the day, a lot of times, I think career management to me at this today's context, it's a lot about taking back control. How do you want to build a career that you are happy with? I think it's not just find a job. I think it's if you're going to spend one third of your life working, why not do something that makes you happy? And of course, at the same time, meaningful. And of course, it must fulfill certain needs that you need in your daily life, be it financial needs or whatever. Yeah. So I think to be career management, it's about that. Now it's being it's like how you plan for a holiday. You need to plan for your career. It's like how you plan for your weekend, how you plan you're going to spend your annual leave, right? It's exactly the same concept about planning for your career. Why are you taking on this role? If you're in this job, right? Is there any expansion? What is the internal mobility like within the company? What is that for me? What are the gaps that I need to fill so that I can still be on trend? So still be with the trend. It has also mentioned that right now degree should be renewed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> happy to hear your thoughts so, on that. Is that really practical? Is that something that we should really consider? One thing about media is that they only take the headlines. <laughs> so the headlines say, yes, there's a time stand to the degree. But actually, if you read the actual article, some of the points, personally, I feel that it's valid. Yeah, so depending on your course of study, I believe that certain domains still need some sort of formal training. Uh, like a doctor, <laughs> like an engineer. Yeah, some, there are some uh, technicalities that you still need formal training. I think that is important. But I think one of the ideas that I subscribe to is that you probably can shorten the time you spend studying in classroom and spend more time on the actual field itself. And that also means to say your cost of degree, right, your cost of higher education can reduce so that you can portion that sum of money to upgrade yourself in more skills space, skills focus. So I think at the end of the day, it's just breaking down rather than just like maybe 30,000 in a degree, maybe now 15,000 in a two-year degree plus a lot more skill-based focus. That's one. 
And the other thing about education, I actually personally feel that it could also be considered is allowing students to take a gap year and not forcing them. It's like right now our traditional education is that after you finish polytechnic or after you finish junior college, ideally people don't take a gap and then go straight into university. And that is a huge problem because most often than not, most of us graduate and then thinking that only after we graduate, we realize that this is not the course that I wanted to do. So at the end of the day, you wasted resources. And so resources like money, like time, like youth, yeah, all these are wasted because in a way you are channeling the prime of your life, right? Into something that you didn't utilize. So I actually will also think that if it's even possible, students should be allowed to take a gap year and that gap year should be very intentional. Of course, that gap year is not for students to not do anything, but that year is for them. It's like a self-exploration by working in certain domain. So if let's say the ecosystem or the schools can support this kind of thing that is happening, I think it will make university education or higher learning degrees are a lot more e efficient. Yeah. But I think that's a lot of education because in fact, parents also need to be educated that it's okay for children, for my kids to take a gap year. It's really interesting for people to get that experience, whether it's mm -hmm. locally, overseas, to just pursue something, well, we can call it frivolous, something that is not exactly aligned to their academic discipline, but really to explore the world and to find themselves. And ideally in the best situation, that could also be finance by maybe the state mm. to help you explore what you want to get out yes. there. So for people who may be keen to embark on career management and they have never done anything before, what are some of the DIY first few baby steps that they have to consider? I think the first thing is always personal clarity. I think personal clarity is a very big thing for me because if let's say you do not have personal clarity, no matter what comes your way, right, it's not going to work for you because you don't even know what you want. So it boils down. So if you don't even know what you want, and, and some of my clients would say that I want to have a better pay, I want to negotiate for a pay. But if you are not even know how much you are worth, what kind of value are you going to ask for? So I think number one is really sit down to have clarity with yourself. So when I talk about personal clarity, I'm not talking about your favorite dream, your favorite color. I'm actually going more in depth about personality. Like number one, what kind of environment do you actually thrive in? What kind of what kind of bosses or supervisor or what kind of structure of the company will allow you to will allow you to grow okay so i think it's like for some people they need systems they need like protocols they need framework step-by-step -step guideline for them to do well some people need a lot more autonomy okay so you firstly need to figure out what that that, that part of you your personality what kind of environment do you thrive in what kind of people do do you communicate with people? How do you like people to communicate with you? I think that's also very important because you also have to learn to educate, to share with people how to communicate with you, how to manage you also, and at the same time, learn how to manage other people. So also understanding how you work with people, how you communicate with people, how you like to receive as well. Then of course, the other things will be things that are slightly more technical will be like your strength, uh, your talent. What are you really good at? Because I think as adults, right, we are not, we do not have the luxury of time to really like a student to do too much exploration or like trying to figure many things out because time is not on our side. So I think when it comes to understanding your skills and talents, at this point in time, I'm pretty strategic in the sense that you should focus on skills and talent that will give you the maximum return. 
Yeah, so that means if I invest a dollar in that skill, that one dollar will give me a lot more back. It's not one dollar and then I get 50 cents back, that kind of thing. So I think we have to, if I'm not good with numbers, then don't be an accountant. You probably hate the job. Now, if I don't like code, don't go and upgrade yourself to to learn Python programming because you know you're going to suffer in that program. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are rushing into all these causes, not knowing whether is it something suitable for you. So I think then that is a waste of resource. So I think you really need to assess what is your strength and what are your talents. Talents probably because if you are doing career switch, right, that is something that you can explore. And I think it's also very important. A lot of people are talking about all the, this whole thing about wellness. I think at the end of the day is if you find something that you truly enjoy, it's aligned with your interests and values and belief systems, right, you will be happy you will generally be a happy person. <laughs> yeah, so I think you also need to understand what are some of your, what are some of the important values and beliefs that is that you hold dear strongly so that when you're looking for your next role or next job or your colleagues or what's not, at least you can put yourself in that situation whereby you can you know, be a little bit happier. So I think first thing is personal clarity. Yeah, if you don't know personal clarity, that's not, that, then no need to do step two. So step two will be definitely understanding the world. Okay, you need to understand what is happening in the world. So I think one thing that I learned as an entrepreneur uh, and I see other entrepreneurs is that sometimes we fall in love with our idea and not knowing whether the market needs it or not. And then in the end, you, you will suffer because there is, you create a product, you create a service, the market must receive it. Yeah, so that's the same thing when it comes to career management, when you are play, when you're positioning, when you're selling yourself out there for a job, you have to make sure that you have what the market needs. Yeah, so you need to understand number one, how is your domain changing? If you are in, if you are in healthcare, how is healthcare changing? If you are doing customer service in healthcare, how is customer service role going to change in healthcare? With all the technology coming in, what what are the gaps that you need to fill? So when you break it down like this, it, it becomes a little bit more structured. You don't spend you don't spend unnecessary time and money on upgrading a course that you will know you you won't use it at the end of the day. You can't integrate your new skills with your past experience. Then I think it's not very wise in my context. Unless you are at retirement, you don't mind learning about everything and anything, then go ahead. But if you are in your economically productive years, you don't necessarily want to do that. So yeah, personal clarity is one. Number two is market clarity. Know what the market is. Know what is happening in the market. And you can start with your domain or your industry your role. In fact, I think if one is in retirement age, you should be even more selective in what you want to learn because you don't have much time <laughs> to learn everything you want in the world. But back to what That's you mentioned in step one about clarity. Now, I would imagine I, I can easily know what I don't like, my weakness and all, because for example, I hate work. I do it one time, ask me to do Excel sheets, table and all that. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm never going to do it again, even if you pay me money. Mm. Uh, so that's easy. But in terms of strength, and given that we are in an Asia culture where most of us are taught to be humble, don't brag. So how can we easily identify what our strengths are? Okay. I think if you want to do it in a very systematic way, some of the exercises that I do with my clients is just pull out a document, an Excel file, whatever. Just write every, just without thinking, just write everything that you know how to do. And then you probably have to ask yourself, does this activity brings you, number one, will people pay you for this skill or not? Yeah, so I think when you talk about strength, it's also, number one, will people pay you for 
for doing that? Do you enjoy doing that? To me, that that two points are very important. And of course, the third thing that is also good to have is can I continue to grow these skills? Yeah, so that's how I can you can start by understanding whether is it your strength. Just start listing as many things that you know how to do and ask yourself, will people pay you for that? Yeah. Then the other thing that you can do is what we call triangulation. So after you have done this step, right? You start, then you start to add, do some analysis. Okay, so out of 10 activities that I've written down, three of it can fulfill, like I can grow, I can make money, I'm good at it, things like that. Okay, then ask, start, start to engage people that, are, that you have worked with, start to talk to maybe your supervisor, or your colleagues, or even like friends people that you really trust for your well-being and then ask them to give you um, feedback. Okay, so it, it's not like, what do you think about me? Don't, don't ask questions like that. Lah, because if you ask questions like this, so vague people will give you... You are okay, law. <laughs> yeah, you're okay, law. You ask vague questions, people give you vague answers. So your question is... So how you ask questions is also very important. You have to ask good questions. So you can go something along the line. Okay, I'm in the process of re-strategizing my career. I'm actually re-looking into my strengths and some of the things that I want to like to work with. So these are some of the things that I have come up with. I just like to seek your opinion uh, based on the period of time that you have working with me. Can you share with me what do you think are some of my strengths and what are some of the areas I think you think I can work on? So when you give people a little bit more specific to your question, they can answer it properly. This is what I will encourage my, my, my clients to do. I will talk to a few people to gather this feedback. And for the first time, most often than not, people will be like, oh, I didn't know this is how people look at me. I didn't know this was actually my strength. You actually get a lot of realization when people share feedback with you. Because in today's context, I think we don't share feedback so openly. Even in appraisal, some of the things are very sugar-coated or what's not, right? Yeah, so when you actually sit down to do that for yourself, you will gain clarity from it. So if you can do these two activities, I think it's it will be a huge step forward to understand your strength. I'm also aware of things like Clifton Strength Finder. I think uh-huh. Greg also have their own wing yes. finder or something, which yes, are correct. essentially assessment tests to help you hmm. identify what are your top five strengths yeah. after a very extensive questionnaire. Are those yes. tests something that one should consider as well? For me, I don't do too much of that. It's because after you do many assessments, after a prolonged period of time, you realize that sometimes our mind is conditioned to give the answer. Okay, so the results that come back, right, can be maybe a reflection of who you want to be. And it may not be a reflection of who you really are at this moment in time, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of that, right, it's not that it's a bad thing to do. In fact, I'll encourage anyone, everyone to also do some assessment because it also gives you a good head start. But you also need to be very mindful when the results come back to you. Don't take it 100% because when you are answering that, that questions, right, you could be projecting an image. For example, some people, some questions will be like, in face of conflict, what will you do? A, B, C, and D, right? So some people may choose the answer that you think you want to do or you hope you will do. But actually, if the actual situation is presented in front of you, that is exactly not what you will do. So there is still a gap to fill. So in that context, that's where the inaccuracy comes in. When you decode the report, it's also very intentional. Most people just read the report and they go like, oh, this is me. Mm, this is not me. Hey, I think like that. Hey, I'm like that. Man. Yeah, you know? So they will just read it on the very surface, which is not ideal. I will encourage everyone to decode on a few things go in depth into the report and say that what did they talk about my strength write them down okay so this is what the report say about my strength 
this is what the report say about my weakness. Write them down and look at it objectively. Is this me? And then this is also where you can use this information that you have got and ask around, get feedback, do that triangulation that I talk about. So you need to decode the reports. Don't just take it wholesale. A lot of people just take it wholesale. But at the end of the day, if you work enough with people, you realize that even though the reports say that they have this strength, they may not actually have that strength. Or maybe that is the untapped potential that they have not unleashed yet. Yeah, so there is still, we are still work in progress, I would say. Yeah, so can use, but don't take 100%. For people who may be still a bit lost and of course looking for professional support, like going for professional career coaching, advisory, etc. Is there a specific trigger point or would it be something that is suitable for some people, not suitable for other people? What are the prerequisites of expectation one should have before considering getting professional career coaching assistant? I think for anyone who has thoughts about getting a career coach, probably ideally you are in a situation whereby you are very open-minded to certain perspectives, certain changes. If let's say you are still very fixated in the way you want to think about certain things or the way you want to do certain things, then my suggestion is per perhaps the timing is not right yet. So to want to go through coaching, you have to be coachable. Okay, just think about it. If you have children, you want to teach your kids something that's a time and space for everything. All right. So it's the same thing where you engage a coach, right? There's a time and space for it. So you have to understand, ask yourself, is this something that you need? At this point in time, even though I'm a career coach, I'm not here to sell any, anything. But I also think it's very important for you to assess whether this is something that you want to embark on. Because in the context of Singapore, when people think about career coaching, sometimes they think about a career coach is a recruiter. A career coach will help me find a job. A career coach will help me write my resume. So if you have that kind of expectation that a career coach is someone that you engage to do those things for you, then it may not be the right uh, it may not be the, the most accurate starting point. Yeah, so for me, the prerequisite to engage a career coach is you need to have that open mind. You need to be ready to accept certain changes. You need to be willing to sit down to have honest, open conversation, discussion, so that you can move your career forward. So the, the objective here is to move your career forward. That's it. And of course, putting yourself in a ha happier place than before. And for people who are keen to learn more about yourself, what you do, where can they go to? You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm also learning myself. Besides being a coach, I'm also learning to create more content on different social media platforms. So I'm learning to create more videos. So you can see me on TikTok as well. A little bit on YouTube, not the best, but learning. But, but yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Cool. Please pass me those handles. I'll share it in the show notes. Amanda, thank you so yeah. much for this conversation today. Lovely speaking with you. And I wish you all the success in your continued journey in career coaching. Yeah, wishing you the same as thanks, Adrian, for this meaningful session. So look forward to have more synergy with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.